Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Get the applicants you need faster and for free at LinkedIn Jobs. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining Locked on Longhorns once again. We're here to talk everything from the transfer portal and Hudson Card to early signing day and recruiting and Ryan Niblett. We've heard some news about him. Uh, DeAndre Moore, we've heard some news about him. And Anthony Hill, we've heard a lot of news about him. So we'll be talking about all that today. On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, John, first, it's been the transfer portal has been open for about a week. We started seeing announcements probably the week before that. So about two weeks we've seen announcements. And then for a week it's been official. We've seen some players, you know, enter into the transfer portal. We've already seen some players get picked up. But all season we heard that this offseason would be crazy from the transfer portal to early signing day and everything. So what have been your, I guess, takeaways um, from the transfer portal, I guess a weekend. Like, have you had any takeaways, or have there any been been any surprises uh, based I, on what you've seen thus far? I, I think the the amount of quarterbacks with a ton of experience hitting the portal has surprised me. We, we saw a little bit of that last year, but they were very logical, right? Like, okay, Caleb Williams goes into the portal because Lincoln Riley leaves. So naturally, does he follow him? Does he go somewhere else? And then conversely, he beats out Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, so you knew Rattler was going to move on kind of like DJ Uyangalale this year. But beyond those logical reasons, we've seen a lot of guys who would still be the guy and would still be productive at a relatively, you know, bowl-type bowl program, like a bowl-qualifying-type program, leave schools. I think six or seven ACC starting QBs are in the portal, um, where, where outside of DJ, they were going to be at least the favorite to hold on to their jobs, if not a lock like a Devin Leary at, at NC State. So that part has been fascinating to me. I think the rehabilitative properties of the portal at that position in particular have really shined a light on those possibilities. It's like you can hit a higher ceiling potentially if you make that move. I think Bo Nix, uh, we mentioned Rattler, Adrian Martinez, all, all those guys this year kind of proved that, hey, you can go get a fresh start and, and really kind of reverse the perception around you. So I wonder how many of those uh, quarterbacks look to, to those three in particular and, and want to make a similar move in, in 2023. So I just think the amount of experienced arms is is quite unique. There's a lot of big-time quarterbacks out there. Grayson McCall just added his name to the list on Monday from Coastal Carolina. So there's if you need a quarterback, it's kind of a great time to need one because you've got maybe one of the best quarterback classes we've ever seen in recruiting and at least the biggest, most experienced group of starting quarterbacks available in the portal. So, you know, there's about 30 quarterbacks between high school and the portal that you feel really good about if you bring them into your quarterback room. So I think that's the surprise. We're used to seeing the coaching movement, but the quarterback movement is, is hitting what feels like to be an all-time high. And one of those quarterbacks uh, is from the University of Texas, and that's going to be Hudson Card, um, who played about four games this year when, when Quinn Ewers went out. And we know that he was the starter going into the season last year in split time with Casey Thompson. Um, Last time I checked, he was like the fourth highest rated prospect in the portal, uh, third highest quarterback, probably a little lower now. I know you said Grayson McCall just entered a few more players have entered. But what type of impact do you see Hudson Card having on another school next year when he ultimately transfers from Texas? Uh, I think he'll have a huge impact. I think he'll be in line to start at most of the places that I'm sure he's considering or at, a, at worst, he'll be in line to battle to potentially start. And, and that is something in a, in and of itself that he's so experienced with, right? Went head-to-head -head with Casey Thompson, 
and won. Went to head-to-head with Quinn Ewers and lost at like the 11th hour. And remember, right before Quinn was was given the keys, there was a lot of buzz about Card beating him out. So literally he, the day before, it was right. Literally so the day he, I mean, you talk about uh, experience. Yes, he's got game experience, starting experience. He's a decently athletic, good arm, all those things. But he's experienced in just the art of quarterback battling. Uh, so I think he'll do that in the spring and and maybe even the fall wherever he goes. Um, so I think that's a huge advantage for him, a different level of maturity and expectation there, independent of, of his physical skill set, which is still really important. Uh, he, he fits a lot of modern offenses in, in this day and age with his ability to move. Uh, he's a competitor, uh, and he's got plenty of arm talent as well. So I, I think a lot of those things are, are going to play uh, well for him wherever he ends up. And, and we all know the, the Steve Sarkeesian offense is one that, a lot of schools look up to, uh, just in general, a lot of people look up to. So having experience within that system in particular, I, I think will help out uh, in a big way uh, as well. How would you compare the top end talent in the transfer portal last year to the top end talent we've seen enter the transfer portal this season? I think at the very top last year had more maybe intriguing possibilities. Um, I mean, look, obviously Caitlin Williams just won the Heisman Trophy, so it's really hard to, to kind of look at it otherwise. But I think the depth, the starting experience and depth in this cycle in the portal is is going to change the sport even more. Um, you know, we could see, think about the schools that could be in the market for a quarterback. You, you go right to the top, right? It's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Notre Dame. I mean, it's schools that are, are very much, we think, going to be in the mix kind of year in, year out, um, you know, down in Florida, Miami, um, the schools really are across the sport. Oklahoma could, could be back in the market, depending on how that looks. So I, I think that's where you're going to see such a big impact. Uh, UCLA, Oregon also in that conversation. So there's just a lot of uh, possibilities with this group. And again, so much starting experience. And la- this past cycle or this past fall, I should say, was just such a great example of quarterbacks moving on and just upping their profile. Look at Michael Penix at Washington to keep it in the Pac-12. Bo Nix, as we mentioned as well, I mean, totally flipped the script on how people view them in just a few short months. Uh, So I think all those possibilities are going to make it pretty chaotic to try to figure out who's going to go where um, this time around. You've got a lot of of accolades that that are in the portal right now. NFL accolades from, you know, Devin Leary, DJ Uyangalele, conference championship rings, Grayson McCall, multi-time Sunbelt player of the year. I mean, so many record setters, really. Even Brennan Armstrong at Virginia is like a record-setting quarterback uh, who can can really move and run. So there's a lot of intriguing possibilities in the portal. So for a guy like Card, I think timing is going to be important. We've already seen a few guys come off the board here. Kate McNamara to Iowa, Phil Jerkovich uh, to to Pittsburgh. Um, So I think finding a fit and jumping on it it's going to feel like quarterback recruiting, you know, where you got to grab your spot because they're, they're going to theoretically be, uh, be cleared up uh, here really fast. Yeah. Texas is expected to lose some key players on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson on the defensive side, DeMarvion Overstone, Keandre Coburn and others. Right. And so where do you think this Texas team needs to place an emphasis on position wise in the transfer portal? Well, we saw it kind of balanced last year, right? There were a lot of, uh, you know, kind of easy to see fits, uh, particularly on offense where it looked like everybody was gearing up for just this crazy 
offensive year uh, in Austin. But yeah, I think this year um, the defense was experienced, right? We talked about it all year uh, on this podcast. The defense was was older, uh, so naturally you expect to see a little bit more of an emphasis there. Um, and of course, quarterbacks get all the headlines. But look, there's a lot of great defensive players in the portal as well at, at all three levels. You know, I think when you bring in experienced trench talent in particular, that's another position group, O-line and D-line, where we see a lot of instant impact transfers where it's it's like, hey, we're one player away, we're two players away. And now the portal gives you that opportunity to, to sort of flip uh, the D-line room or the O-line room. So I expect Texas, especially on defense, to be pretty busy with the portal. Um, but the timing is, is going to be crazy, right? Signing day is in a week. Um, you know, the portal's opened. Coaching carousel still spinning. You know, Purdue just hired a coach today. Unfortunately, Mississippi State is now open uh, because of Mike Leach's death, uh, RIP to the Pirate. So, yeah, there's, there's so much going on simultaneously that it's like, how do you also recruit these you know, older players who have already been through the process and kind of know what they want. It's almost like blink and you'll miss it type of recruiting because these decisions are typically much faster than that of, of these high school recruits. But I do think between signing day and, and, and New Year's, we're going to see a lot of these decisions come down because there'll be clarity on both sides. How many kids did we just sign? Now, how many spots conversely are are open truly going into to spring ball? So It'll be fast and furious uh, the rest of the month, uh, sandwiched uh, with the holidays and the new year on top of it. Quick word from Bet Online, and we're going to talk traditional high school recruiting in this 2023 class for Texas. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So, John, as much as we heard about the transfer portal, we heard about, you know, early signing day and national signing day. And we know with, you know, NIL and, and all of this, we're expecting, you know, a, a crazy next two to three months in that regard. And this is what you do for a living. The director of football recruiting at Sports <laughs> Illustrated. So this is what you eat, sleep and breathe right here. Are you expecting a ton of chaos between early signing day and national signing day as been expected and talked about what it seems like for the entire year? Of course, of course. Right. You, you mentioned three word, three letters there. Right. NIL that has flipped everything on its head. There is no like clear path for programs anymore. There are no locks anymore in recruiting. I don't care if the kid. Grew up in Austin, um, was targeted as a true high school freshman, and his whole family went there. It, it just doesn't mean what it used to because of the possibilities. And then those variables that are impossible to track in terms of what are these kids really hearing and how much does that matter to each kid? Of course, it's going to vary depending on the kid, depending on the situation, depending on the goal, depending on just how bold he wants to be and, and maybe going – to the other side of the country or, or playing somewhere outside the box. So yeah, of course I'm expecting chaos. There's a lot of decisions coming down to the wire as, as always on signing day. And then there's a lot of like muddied water in terms of the chatter around a lot of these guys. It's like schools even are cautiously optimistic. I was talking to a college coordinator uh, on Monday and he's like, look, we feel good about player X, but, we still won't 
rest uh, until signing day. And this kid is committing. This is I'm not going to name him. He's committing this week. So it's like we want to get him committed in a couple days, but we're still going to be freaking out, for lack of a better phrase, until he actually signs on the 21st. So even verbal commitments that are coming in this late, schools aren't even feeling at ease with that. So I think that's a good example of the chaos we should kind of all expect between now and, and the 21st in particular. A Texas commit that Sports Illustrated was higher on than most sites, and that's Ryan Niblett. Uh, the Texas world got a, a little scare recently when they found out that Ryan Niblett took an official visit to the University of Houston. He is from Houston. Um, and, and it kind of seemed as though things were leaning towards, you know, a potential uh, flip and commitment to the University of Houston. Since then, at least I've heard, you know, that Texas, a few people at Texas, a few Texas sources feel a little bit better. They feel confident uh, that there's nothing to worry about there. But I guess what would a loss uh, for what a, what would a Ryan Niblett loss in terms of a commitment, him flipping to U of H or anywhere? What would that mean for Texas recruiting class that's already lost Jonah Wilson to U of H? Yeah, I'm going to say the two flips to Houston at the same position would really profile some type of way optically. But look, I think Ryan Niblett's one of the best slot receiver types in the country. We've, we've all talked about his speed. I mean, he's, he's just an absolute blur, the type of player that doesn't need volume to make his impact. He could factor into your return game. He can be a bubble screen guy or a jet sweep guy that flips the field on one play. So that type of potential is something that every single program needs to try to add on onto its uh, class of 23 and beyond. And, and looking at this Texas receiver core, Jonathan Cook is, is still there and, and still the headliner, but there, there's kind of interesting lack thereof when it comes to depth uh, with these wide receivers. So, uh, you're, you're still in it for DeAndre Moore and Jacoby Lane, and and obviously you want to hold on to Niblet, but you know you've already got him. You know, so I, I think that's really important. And he doesn't really profile similarly to those other guys that Texas is recruiting. So I think that's where, from a variance perspective, you really need to try to hold on to him beyond the optics, right? Hey, Texas kid, in-state kid, track star, this offense, how it profiles, and, and all of those things. So yeah, I, I think. It's been it's been on on a lot of Texas folks' mind, uh, but he's still committed right now. After that official visit to Houston, theoretically, he's not going to take any more visits until National Signing Day. And we know Brendan Marion has been steady on him, so I think that's important to point out, uh, Jonathan. Where it's like sometimes kids flip, and you wonder how much is the school really pushing to hold on to him, right? Not going to name names. Um, you know, was the school really fighting to, he to keep this kid or were, were they kind of nudging like, hey, maybe you should take a visit or two just to see what your options are. But I do think I actually know in Niblet's case, Texas is absolutely fighting to hold on. I mean, I think that's a difference compared to some other kids that, that we see go in and out uh, from, from these different commitment lists. Texas absolutely wants to hold on to, to Ryan Niblet. I, I know Sarkeesian has been on the case and I definitely know Brendan Marion has been on the case and him individually has, has really been a key figure in this Texas recruitment of Niblet. And if he signs with UT next Wednesday, I think Marion will probably end up deserving the most credit in the end, but there's no doubt that Houston has absolutely made him think twice, three times about making that move, selling playing time, selling, of course, putting on for, for your home town and city while by the way, making a move into the big 12, you know, which is now more appealing for Houston and Cincinnati and UCF and, and BYU here in recruiting uh, going forward. So definitely not as optically simple as, as it might have seemed uh, six months or, or 12 months ago. 
And even outside of optics, you talked about it, one of the best slot receivers in the country, one of the fastest players in the country, period. Somebody that has the potential to thrive in Steve Sarkeesian's system. You talked about the lack of wide receiver depth in this 2023 class, especially with losing uh, Jonah Wilson to Houston and then losing out on players like Jaden Greathouse, uh, Jalen Hill, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? We saw the coaching change at Louisville, and then we saw the decommitment that we were all expecting from Reuben Owens, right? And sure. so many people feel that it's only a matter of time that DeAndre Moore will decommit from Louisville as well. And a lot of people feel confident in Texas circles that Texas would be the school he would end up flipping to. How important is it for Texas to land DeAndre Moore, given that le uh, lack of depth uh, in the receiver class in 2023 and him just being one of the best playmakers in the country at that position? Yeah, yeah, that part in particular. Yeah, DeAndre is more balanced. You know, he can he can be that bubble screen guy, work the slot, but he could also work outside. Uh, he's polished. He can block. Comes from maybe the best high school program in the country right now in, in St. John Bosco. And California is really important for Texas. We've we've always talked about it. We we've seen so many examples of California's making plays. I mean, let's just look at Xavier Worthy in, in in the same wide receiver room theoretically. So, yeah, I think more would be important for, for depth, but optics, oof, big time importance. One, because you're flipping somebody from, you know, a program that's been hot in recruiting in Louisville. And then two, look at the competition. You know, Texas isn't the only school trying to flip him. Many schools have, have been in and out on this recruitment. And it looks like Georgia is the primary contender for Texas should DeAndre make that move. He took officials to both Texas and UGA in November. And then it's been quiet, right? He's been focused on playoff ball. They just won their theoretical national title over the weekend. And there's really no buzz about DeAndre making a visit this weekend, which I think is good for Texas and Georgia because he's not going to go back to Louisville and, and really sit down with this coaching staff. Doesn't mean they can't go to Cali and sit down with him in home. Uh, but it's just different when you're able to go there for 48 hours, as opposed to a couple hours uh, at your house. So I do think that's good news and probably pushes the narrative that, hey, this flip looks like it's going to happen. It's just a matter of where. Uh, like you said, Texas feels really good. Georgia just flipped um, Anthony Evans from Oklahoma at, at the receiver position. So maybe they don't need more as, as much as Texas does. So maybe that's something that could help push UT over the top. But but we know that it's uh, it's a big deal in Austin. And that's one of the recruits you absolutely have to keep an eye on if you're a Texas fan. Anthony Hill decommitted from Texas A&M over a month ago. And since then, it's felt like Texas was the obvious choice from him to, uh, you know, decommit from Texas A&M and flip to, you know, we most, we know most of the time, you know, kids don't decommit from a school and end up going back to that school, but it has been a month. And for whatever reason, at least up until this point, Texas hasn't been able to officially close on Anthony Hill. So how big of a deal do you think this recruitment is for Texas and how important is it for them to close on Anthony Hill, given his decommitment from Texas A&M and recent rumors that he may be headed back to the Aggies in College Station. Yeah, look, uh, like I said, recruiting is strange these days. Uh, the the unconventional is much more possible these days. And look, a and going to have a nice close to, to this class. I think we can all tell they, they flipped Ruben Owens. They got another pass rusher on board, uh, I believe, over the weekend. AM's going to, you know, they're not going to sit down in the 20s for long. They're going to make a, a nice push here at the end of the day. And reeling in a long time verbal commitment would be big, just as much as trying to hold off others for, for David Hicks would be big for Texas AM. So there's certainly some buzz there. And I think it's, it's really, it could be really simple, right? Because it hasn't been with Hill. He's been very quiet and he hasn't been very active. I think that's what's really interesting about this recruitment. As soon as he decommitted from AM, he was right back in Austin. And that's where we were all like, okay, 
this looks like it's going to happen. There were no other visits planned, even though we know so many other schools were, were trying to get in Miami, Oklahoma, Alabama, trying to get back into this recruitment, but no other visits were planned. And then it's been quiet. It's been quiet over the last few weeks with Hill. And now all of a sudden A&M has some buzz, but for me, does he get back to campus this weekend? Does he show up in college station or not? Could that be the simple predicator of where he's going to sign on Wednesday? It's never that simple, but in terms of the buzz, I think that's where it's going to lean. If he doesn't make it to college station, UT is going to feel much better. If he does make it to college station, then I think Texas A&M is going to have a chance to do the unconventional and, and potentially real him back into the commitment uh, list. So that'll be fascinating down the stretch, but as of things Standing right now, I don't see any true buzz about him visiting College Station. He certainly hasn't confirmed it. So until we know more about that, I'm thinking Texas has the best shot to sign Anthony Hill on Wednesday. Let's hope you're right. A word from Omaha Steaks and then a quick word from John on one of the biggest topics in college football right now. Omaha Steaks have put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. So go to omahasteaks.com. And take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use code Locked On at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order from anything to butcher's cut filet mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even more. 50% off site-wide, plus an extra $40 off your order using the code Locked On at omahasteaks.com. All right, John, I'm going to ask you one of the biggest stories in college football, Coach Prime has left Jackson State, and he has went to the University of Colorado. Before we get out of here, your thoughts on that move? I was surprised. Uh, there, there were some interesting jobs that were either available or coming available right around the time Dion accepted the Colorado job. I think Louisville came open like the next day. You know, I think that would have been interesting to see. Did, did Cincinnati get to really vet Dion? Because that job came open right before he, he took the Colorado job. So I would have been curious to see how he would have played into those potential markets. We know Colorado offered him. USF was, was in communication with him. Auburn was was a little bit lower on him than I, I kind of wanted them to be selfishly uh, before they picked Hugh Freeze. So I think the timing and boldness of Colorado deserves some, some love here because um, we know Dion's going to overhaul that thing, at least from a talent perspective. Uh, look at the coaches he's already brought in former NFL head coaches, former college head coaches, um, coaches who are known specifically as recruiters like Charles Kelly from Alabama, Tim Brewster, who's been everywhere. I mean, he's bringing in big time names and it's already worked tangibly. I mean, they flipped Dylan Edwards from Notre Dame, probably one of the fastest players in the country, true playmaker. They've hit big in the portal already. More is on the way. We know in the coming weeks. Uh, so the front end of this thing, I think has gone about as well as anybody could have hoped for Dion and the roster in the next 12 months or so is going to be overhauled. But of course the question will be, how does it look thereafter? Cause Colorado won one game this year. They hadn't won more than five games. Uh, I think more than once in the last 10 years. So that is an uphill job. You cannot recruit locally, uh, but thankfully for the buffs, they've got as big a national profile name who fits the NIL era better than any coach imaginable at the helm. So I do think, again, from at least a roster perspective, they'll be much more competitive in, in the years to come. But hopefully they give Dion time to overhaul it because we know these coaches are on the shortest leashes they've ever been on in this day and age. If Colorado's administration can hold back on that, 
I think he's going to be a, a right uh, and correct hire there, and, and he'll win some. But then you got to enjoy it for a short time because we know he won't stick around there also. So that'll be fascinating, just like uh, just about everything Dion does. Yeah, A-plus hire, in my opinion, even as an HBCU graduate, right, an A-plus hire. And, you know, like you said, a complete overhaul. Dion said he's bringing his luggage with him, and it's Louie. <laughs> All right, hook him and peace. Who else would say that? <laughs>